emona, 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 emona. He soy kiyumoy v'nishmas apoy shel yehudi. He soy kiyumoy v'nishmas apoy shel yehudi. It is a secret of emona. Emona, emona. Emona. Um, Emona, the Ramchal begins the Sefer Der Hashem. Ramchal begins the Sefer Der Hashem with the expression that every Jew has to yamin v'yeda. He has to believe, for want of a better word, v'yeda know that a few basic facts about the Creator. But emuna is a basic point. It's a starting point. It's a starting point. The order that the Ramchal says it is yamin v'yeda. First, a person needs emuna, and then from that emuna, or after that emuna, he needs to have a yedia. A yedia means an understanding, a knowledge of the Creator. An emuna implies something. An emuna implies something which is emuna implies something which is not necessarily reached. Emuna implies something which is not necessarily reached through knowledge. On the contrary, it could be what knowledge, seichel, intellect, empirical investigation assist us in many areas of our life in terms of emuna, it may act against us the order the Ramchal says clearly is yamin v'yeda person needs to have emuna and then or as well no so you do need a yedia in other words the yedia is a person has to have a logical foundation as to the nature of the existence of the creator in the world but that's not emuna. Emuna is something which doesn't come through <coughs> Derech HaSeichel. The Seichel, the intellect, is an apparatus which is used for testing the veracity of a given reality or idea. The Seichel begins to operate when there is an area of doubt. And the Seichel needs to be able to distinguish is this true or untrue, and the Seichel is utilized to come to that conclusion. The Zeichel can only begin in an area where there are two tzadim, there's two different sides and two different, two different options. As long as there's only one option, there's no need for Zeichel. Zeichel is n- necessary when it could be that this is the reality and it could be that this is the reality. And the Zeichel comes and says, given the information, we can decide we can decide this to be the conclusive reality as opposed to that. Emuna, on the other hand, Emuna is something which presupposes a reality. It presupposes a is a given. Is a is a 
let's start from a different, a different perspective. Many people, when they begin davening, and even when they continue davening, and sometimes years down the line, when they're still davening, the experience of tefillah is not the way the Ramchal puts it across in the 19th chapter of but rather how does Ramchal put it across? He speaks about Yira. It's the awe of the loftiness of the Creator. That a person has to think while he's in the process of tefillah, of davening, of praying or in the process of the performance of a mitzvah. That in front of the King of all kings he's davening or doing that deed. As the Tana says, Ukshato Mispalel, Da. When you daven, Da. You should know, Lifne Miata Mispalel. Vine, Shloisha Dvarim Tsorich, she is Takela Odom, Visbain and Hater, Kedeshi Agiel, Zoysayer. There are three things a person needs to focus on and contemplate in order to arrive as what the Ramchal calls a Yira, Echod. She who I made Mamish, Lifne Habariz Borchmoy. He stands literally in front of the Creator, and he has a give and take, a dialogue, a bargaining session, a masu matan. He's engaged in a process of negotiation. Oh, he negotiates with even though the eye of man sees him not. <coughs> So the Ramchal's description of tefillah is a negotiation with the Creator standing in front of you. And he goes on to say that How you negotiate with Him. And how you peel before Him. And from Him you ask. And Hashem Mazin Loi he listens intently. Makshiv ledvarv, focused on your words. Kasher yedaber ish el like someone, a man speaks to his friend. That's tefillah. Kasher yedaber ish el reu. Tefillah is like you speak the same level of closeness, the same the same dynamic, the same feel that one has when he's engaged in a dialogue with his good friend, his close companion. That's the feeling of Tvila. There are those that their experience of Tvila is speaking to a wall, opening up a book, reading a script that they have no idea what it means, and the sense of negotiation, of speaking, of dialogue is completely lost. It's the only person that exists in this dialogue is myself and the words I'm saying to nothing. So you go back to emuna. Emuna is not a knowledge because a person can do that with an absolute clarity of understanding. Intellectually he has no doubt to the existence of God. But when he opens up his mouth in prayer he feels like he's speaking to the world because there's no emuna. 
The emunah is not the knowledge. The emunah is the sense of the deeper understanding which transcends the empirical evaluation that embodies the person in his deepest moments of consciousness. And therefore when the Nesivas Shalom begins his Yesoide HaToyah he starts off by saying, by saying Ha'emuno he Yesoid Kiyumoi the Nishmas Apoishel Yehudi it's the breath of life of a Jew Ka'avir L'Nishima like air is to breath Shebil Adov without Emuna Ein L'Shum Chayz Chuskiyum Adamis without it the person doesn't have any reason for living Kenya Emuna just like a person cannot live in this world without air to breathe, a Jew can't live in this world in the truest sense without emuna inside of him. Biltia emuna without emuna, ein kum A person has no spiritual existence even for a small period of time. It's the source of a person's spiritual life and it is the soul of the Torah, of the mitzvahs and all of Judaism that's very important to know because to the degree to which we have Imuna, so then our avoider, our tefillah, our Torah has power it has import it has resonance it has something we can connect to the degree which we do not have emunah so our actions are robotic they don't have a dynamic attached to them they are mechanical but the person remains aloof from engaging in the process of life there's no there's no there's no there's no sustenance there's no tangible experience of spirituality so therefore, where does one begin? Where does one begin? You don't have emunah. I have no emunah, says brave young Bocha with brutal self-honesty. And you're right, oh misguided Rebbe. I'm misguided Rebbe. Well, maybe. The Bocha, younger man, person, says, I do feel that's exactly how I feel, and I want to change. I do want to change. So what I've done is, I've bought 16 new books, which have um, discussed Kimuna, and I'm going to make sure that it happens to me. And how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to read through these books. I've got a book which proves the existence of God. I've got a book which proves the veracity of the Torah from Sinai. And I've got another 16 books that do the same thing in different words. And then when I've read through all those books, then I'm going to be a miming. But that's not true. If you read through all those books, you may or may not be convinced of the existence of God, but you will, you definitely won't be a miming. Because your starting point is faulty. Your starting point is you're trying to locate Emunah in the Seichel. And therefore, it will never get off the ground. Because Emunah is not located in that place. So therefore, where does a person begin with Emunah? Where does it start? 
Let's try to understand Let's try and understand where we're going to draw Emuna from Where we're going to draw Emuna from We can't get it from our seichel. We can't get it from our seichel, and we don't have it. So where does it come from? Where does it come from? So now I think this is a fundamental point. That emuna in its purest form is not something that we can find outside of ourselves. Emuna is something which grows from within and is so basic to our existence that unless we miss it because it's elusive it's the very essence of who we are what do I mean? I mean as follows we are able to relate to ourselves and to our notion of our own existence in a way that doesn't call on our intellectual faculties to establish our identity. The reason why I know of my own existence is not because I've figured out that I exist through a process of empirical investigation but it's a given which is so blatantly obvious that it's never even taken into consideration. It's obvious. The story we've told before many times is about the professor that in engaging in the sugya of existence do we exist, don't we exist in a philosophy class left the students hanging. One student after two weeks ran up to the professor and said, Prof, tell me, I can't stand it any longer. Do I exist or don't I? To which the professor replied, who wants to know? <laughs> the idea of existence the way we process our self-existence is not through an intellectual process. 
Our grasp of self transcends our thoughts. Our grasp of self transcends our awareness of our physical body. We never go have to go and reassure ourselves that we exist. If we, if we have like going to the middle of the day and we think, Taka, do accidents exist? And then you quickly, desperately look for a mirror. So you go, Ah, oh, Hashem, I'm here. Or you don't constantly start to feel your, pinch your skin to see, yes, I felt, I felt pain. It must be that I exist. Because the process, the experience of existence is not something which goes through the channels of thought. It's something which is too basic. It's, it's, it's more fundamental than that. So the truth is, our own sense of self is also an emuna. It's an awareness of the existence of a being which transcends the physicality of who we are. My grasp of myself, my grasp, the way I grasp myself is not in a, a collection of different interactions on a molecular level. When I think about myself, my grasp of myself is that it's transcendental. It transcends the sum total of the physicality of my being. My grasp of myself is that I know that the body is something I have. I know my thoughts are something I think. I know my words are something that I say. Where's the I? Nowhere. It's nowhere. It's not there or there or there. It's in and... But you can never find it. You can never measure it. You can never contain it. But you can never not because it's everywhere and it's nowhere at the same time. As the Gemara Bracha says, as the Gemara Bracha says, comparing the Neshama and its relationship to the body, the soul and its relationship to the body is analogous to the relationship of the Creator to the world. Just as the Gemara says, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu fills up the entire world, so too the Neshama fills up the entire body. Just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is He sees but he is not seen. So to the neshama sees, but it is not seen. In other words, we don't need to look outside of ourselves to find a munah because we have it with us already by being a human being. We live with an emunah. What's that emunah we live with? We live with a munah of self. We believe in ourselves. We believe in our own existence. But it's not a belief. It's a deeper knowledge which is no more... It's, it's the deepest possible knowledge there is. It's a knowledge which is so powerful, so intact, so not open for negotiation because there's no way to negotiate it. It just is. It is. It is. It is. That knowledge is. So, that, so, I don't, so that's emuna. That's emuna. All we have to do is experience from the micro to the macro. Our grasp of self is also our grasp of self essentially is our knowledge of our neshama in who we are. And all we have to do is then look at the world and see exactly the same thing on the global severe on the global perspective it's exactly the same just like I am not a collection of flesh and bones neither is the world around me a collection of flora and fauna of molecules and liquids solids gases 
those things aren't the world. Those things are the way the world is expressed. So who's the world? The world is Hanesham Hagadoyla. The great Neshama, just like the Neshama fills the body, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu fills the world. And just like my experience of myself doesn't go through the channels of intellectual awareness, so to my experience of the Creator doesn't go through the channels of intellectual awareness. It's not that uh, I know it because I proved it. it. It is. It just is. Why is it? Because it is. In other words, the eyes, I need to see Emunah, to see Hashem in the world, the ears I can use to hear Him, the hands I can use to feel Him, the nose I can use to smell Him, all those limbs are contained in the Neshama. They're all contained in the Neshama. And the further away I move in my own internal awareness of self from assuming that my sense of self is associated with the different parts of my existence, my possessions, my body, my clothes, my character traits, my words, my thoughts, the more my sense of self transcends all those things and perceives itself I understand myself to be the thing beyond all of those that will give me the more I see that as self the more I'll be able to see the creator in the world the more I'll be able to connect to the one above the one behind the one that uses the world only as a vehicle of expression, as I use my body, only as a vehicle expression of a much higher being. In other words, Emunah is where I am located. If I slip into assuming that my identity rests in my body, and I do not see beyond that, so it will be very difficult for me to see that there's a creator beyond the world, because my experience of self is located and limited to the physical but that's not even a reality because if you push and prod me you see that you can't do that so how do we fall into it but we do we fall into it the whole time that's a fascinating point the fascinating point is not that we how we can have emuna. the fascinating point is how we avoid having emuna. how can we not have emuna? How can you not have Emunah? How can we really, can we really think, in other words, not having Emunah, is can we really think that I am my face? Can we really think that I am my achievements, my intellect? Can we really think that's what I am? So then that means that when the body dies, so what, the self disappears as well at the same time, in other words, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. Emunah is a, it's the experience of living. It's a sense of identity. Just like a person denies the existence of God, he sees nothing beyond this world. 
So a person in his internal experience of self can deny the existence of the inner spiritual self by saying that I am defined by anything in the physical world. The minute I fall into that trap, that causes me to deny the existence of eternal life. Because if my identity is that, so when all that stops, the identity stops as well. And that's the tremendous destruction that the modern notion of self-esteem has brought upon us. Because the modern notion of self-esteem has shifted and emphasized that the location of self should be in the place far, far away from the internal essence of our beings. We are meant to associate ourselves with our achievements, with our intellect, with our character traits. And as long as we do that, we've lost the sense of our eternity. The word Adam, man, is the same letter as Ma'od, very, to switch in order. Because the nature of man is that which extends beyond. That's what man is. The worst thing you can say to a person is, you are what I see. It's the worst thing you can say to him. There's nothing more to you than this. So essentially, the tragedy of not having Imuna is not a tragedy of belief. It's a tragedy of self. It's a tragedy of how small I am. The tragedy of no Imuna is the limitation of self to your physicality, to your mortality. That's all you are. There's nothing more to you than that. That's tragic. You cannot proclaim as every Jew should. I am immortal. The basic fundamental point of Judaism. That man's immortality. Man is immortal. There's a process known as death whereby one shuffles off their mortal coil. They is a, it's called Pishut Begodim. You take off certain clothes and you put on others. I was recently listening to a schmooze from a Volbi that recounts a event which occurred in Kelm. A young man tragically died. And the father came to Kelm for the funeral. And before the funeral began, the altar of Kelm called the father into his private office and sat down and spoke to him for a long while. After the meeting had finished, the father came out and he looked completely different from when he came in. And upon engaging him and discussing what had occurred in the meeting, the father said, I'm now absolutely positive that my son has not died. Now that emuna, that understanding, is not something that you can believe in the existence of the world to come. That's a reflection of your present grasp of self right here and now. It's not something that you can believe in and then assume that you're a limited being and define yourself by, by the limitations of your character trait. That's a contradiction in terms. If you go for that in the deeper sense, so then you go for that in terms of your grasp of self as well. And if you're not there in your grasp of self, so then, so then you're far, far away, not that forget it. 
forget religious obligation. You're far away from the reality of being. You haven't begun. Emuna, emuna, emuna. He soit kiyumoi venishmas apoi shel yehudi kavir leneshima. It's breath. It's air to breathe. Meaning, it's something which is the basic, most critical thing you need. It's who I am. How do I define myself? Until you've defined yourself in that way, so the entire process of Yiddishkeit doesn't really begin. And once you define that sel- yourself that way, so then everything transforms. And then you start to tread upon a world whereby everything has a different, a different vibrates at a completely different frequency and has a different sense of dimension, has a different sense of <coughs> importance. The world becomes big, actions become gigantic, words become enormous because they're projecting into a space which so far extends the here and now that it's, it's awesome. Not awesome, it's awesome. Not to be confused with our awesome. So that's that's emuna. So I think if there's one thing we need to work uh, work on, dig deeply into, and I think now is the time to do it. And I think on Yom Kippur, a person can have deep realizations because Yom Kippur, the day is des- designed for precisely that purpose. The desi- day is there to free us, to liberate us of this distortion of self. No, you're not an eater. You're not a drinker. You're not a person that needs to wear shoes. You're not a person that needs to engage in anything physical. You are beyond, essentially you beyond that. Yom Kippur is a day where you confront the depth of self and you cast off all those appurtenances which distract us from the reality of our being. It's not that you stop yourself from eating. You're not a person that essentially needs food. You do not need food. You don't need drink. You, Adam, Selem Eloikim, you can exist without it. Happens to be for a variety of reasons. We, we make it work that way for a temporary period. It's called Olam Hazen. That's not a definition of who you are. Yom Kippur forces you to confront that idea. Transcend. It's a transcendent day, and in that transcendence, then you start to realize that when a person engages in things which are antithetical to the Torah, he clogs up that realization, and he loses that clarity of being, and he loses that pristine vision of self, and in doing so, he commits the ultimate felony: suicide. So therefore Yom Kippur is a day of liberation, it's a day of rediscovery, it's a day of getting back to who we are. That's what Shavu is.